You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns in the NBA at SB Nation, as well as Dime Magazine. Follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns. Back, I had to take a break. I could not do a bonus episode for you all. Back on YouTube, though, today, and back, obviously, for a post-Game 5 podcast. I was at the arena last night. I'm going to give you all of my thoughts on the game, and again, uh, hopefully, I don't know if I'll cheer you up, but hopefully I can at least provide a little bit of uh, <laughs> understanding of what went wrong, and I think there's some some things to still feel good about. Look, it's still a series. This could be over already if the Suns had not won games one and two, so we'll get into Drew Holiday's big night, why I don't necessarily know if he can shoot that well again, why I do think Devin Booker can after his second, 40, second straight 40-point game. Um, the Suns losing because they went away from a lot of what worked, frankly, and then uh, why they were able to dominate those hustle categories that we talked so, so much about heading into Game 1. Today's show is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join us this week on Friday afternoon, as always, to get in on the action. Okay, so again, it is a 123-119 Phoenix Suns loss punctuated by a ridiculous Giannis alley-oop, a Devin Booker turnover, some Giannis missed free throws, just a classic ending, not a lot of stoppage, a game that if it had gone the other way, we would have called incredibly entertaining, incredibly fun, but that's not how it feels, of course, when it doesn't go your way. Um, the biggest story to me, though, and it's one. It's an area where, on one end, you don't necessarily think that there's a lot of analysis to go into it. I'm going to do my best the guys on the Bucks, the Bucks superstar players just hit shots. I don't necessarily believe it'll continue, but it happened and they were able to win a game from it. So after being pretty bad, most of the finals, we saw Drew Holiday score 27 points, 12 of 20 shooting and 13 assists. The rest of the Bucks big three with Giannis and Chris Middleton all took 20 plus shots. The three of them combined for 88 points while shooting 8, 58% from the field. There's a lot of other stuff to get into, but that to me, it just is the biggest story of the game. Despite Devin Booker's huge night, despite the Suns offense looking a little better and this game going down to the wire after a 16 point lead that the Suns were able to take, the Bucks superstars just got it done. Um, Chris Middleton did this in game four, not as big of a surprise to me. It's really Drew Holiday. Those two guys though combined for 18 of 29 from two point range. Chris Paul was Letting Drew penetrate, and we'll talk about Chris Paul a little bit more specifically later on, I'm sure, on my Tuesday morning show for all of you to get you ready for Game 6 in Milwaukee. I'll have Jackson Frank of Dime and the Analyst on the show, and I'm sure we'll talk more about Chris Paul then, but his defense was almost, if not more, of an issue than than his offense. We've talked a lot about he's not scoring, and whatever, he had 21-11, and 11, the defense on Drew Holiday was not only letting Drew to get to the rim for some easier layups, which had been an issue for him before, but also just giving him that space and rhythm to pull up from deep. And I think that the, the pick and roll defense, I'll get into more. We're going to talk about the second quarter. I don't want to devote a whole segment to it because it's just going to be too dark, but 
It, it is. Uh, it's going to be too dark. But I do want to weave some of that second quarter stuff in. That's where Milwaukee was able to come back and, and retake their lead. All of that contributed to Drew Holiday having a career night. And again, 27-13 and 13 on 50-plus percent shooting. Just a game that, you know, the Bucks acquired this guy to have that unfortunately the Suns got the wrong side of after a pretty disappointing series on offense for Holiday most of the rest of, uh, of this stretch. So I guess where I want to go next is, is it sustainable? The Suns we saw from the jump were switching basically every single pick and roll. Um, that meant that guys like DeAndre Ayton had a crack at Chris Middleton. We saw basically every possible switch up that you could imagine because the Suns, no matter who was involved, they were going to switch. So I think that contributed to why the shots were difficult. I think most of the players on the Suns held up in one-on-one matchups. I I already mentioned Chris Paul being the exception there, but that was kind of the game plan. I think it was fairly successful. Um, we'll get into what wasn't so successful, but I think if that continues and the guys hold up and some of those other things get cleaned up, I do think the defense is is, is sound and sustainable. Drew Holiday in the playoffs so far, I have this number, is shooting 30.1% on pull-up threes. He was 40% in the regular season. So, you know, these one-game samples, even a seven-game sample, is pretty tiny. And up to this point, Holiday had looked more like the guy that he had been the rest of the playoffs, not really taking a lot of pull-up threes, not really making them, making it much of a weapon for Milwaukee. That really changed. He was comfortable again early because Chris Paul was not getting through those screens. Holiday was taking some deep ones. And that, to me, is going to be a big thing to watch. Does it go back to what it's been the rest of the postseason? Or does it crater back down to what it was? Uh, or does it does it stay, sorry, back at what it was in the regular season, which was 40% on pull-up threes, a really, really big part of his game. On the other side, Middleton. This is who he is. I said he did it in Game 4. He also did it to close out the Hawks in the previous series. He also did it late in that Game 7 against the Nets back in the second round. He's a tough shot maker. That's why he's in the NBA. That's why he's a max player. Um, but I do think like just maybe somewhat of a silver lining is he's done it for two straight games now. Do those shots continue to go in throughout two more games if the Suns can push it to seven? I mean, at this point, I'm not going to doubt him, but I also think that there is something to wondering, is a guy really going to shoot you know, 50 plus percent on contested pull-up twos for four straight games, which is what it would be? I don't know. Um, I did think late the Booker on Middleton and Mikhail on Drew assignments that we saw in the fourth quarter was pretty good. Um, I think it worked pretty well for the Suns, and I think it could be something that we see more of. I had advocated for that to be Jay Crowder starting out on Middleton at the beginning of possessions. Again, they're switching so much, but I think with Booker and what I was onto with Crowder is some strength and physicality against Middleton to just make him uncomfortable because I think McHale is doing a great job getting a hand in his face. I just don't think it matters. It makes me think. Um, it makes me think back to. A little bit of a tangent, but not really. Shane Battier in uh, the book, The Art of the Beautiful Game by Chris Ballard of, of Sports Illustrated. I actually don't know where he works anymore, but but Battier would talk about how he would smack Kobe in the face or um, you know wag his hand in front of Kobe's eyes as the shots went up just because he knew nothing was going to bother Kobe as far as normal defense, and he needed to just be physical, try stuff, mess with him, get in his head as much as he possibly could just to do something 
because Kobe was such a, a surgeon about it. And I think that that's where we are with Middleton. So Booker was able to get him off of his spots a little bit. Crowder did the same. But I think just at the end of the day, to me, if you're betting on which of the big time scorers in game five are going to continue it in game six, Holiday's at the bottom. Middleton is is right there. And then Booker, to me, I just trust it more. I Maybe that's ridiculous with Middleton having a longer career and being you know, a guy who's who's won his his share of games just doing this, but I don't think that Milwaukee is suddenly some force to be reckoned with when it comes to this stuff. I think it's easy to imagine they could have a little bit of a colder game, not be so, so hot. And again, this was a four-point game. So you have to give Booker his flowers. He's now done this back-to-back games, 40-plus points efficiently. Um, he's been so good that the Bucks actually had to take Drew Holiday off of Chris Paul, which if that continues is, is something the Suns can exploit because... I think Paul looks a lot better when he's not dealing with that. I think this was Booker's best rim attack game of the finals for sure. And maybe the whole playoffs, he was 8 of 11 at the basket. If you think back to game 3, Booker was 0 of 2, 0 of 3 from uh, in, in the paint, in the restricted area. And was 3 of 14 overall. Huge, huge way he's come since doing that. So that's a good sign. And, he, and if he's dedicated to doing that, he can when he wants to. He has the quickness to get past Middleton and Tucker, who are primarily defending him. And I think the other thing to give Book credit for is that he was able to initiate a lot more in this game with Chris Paul struggling against uh, Holiday and just, again, maybe still not quite right when it comes to uh, his health. So all of that said, I think Booker has found ways to attack the Bucks that feel more sustainable to me, getting to the basket, playmaking a little bit more. He has the ability to create space to get his jumper off against Holiday in a way that Paul does not. And I just feel like I trust Booker to keep scoring 35 to 45 more than I do um, the other two guys. And again, I, I know it's 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 marginal and it's it's something you're just kind of praying for, but especially Holiday, I just don't think that that is sustainable. And if Booker, on top of that, can add a little bit of defense against Middleton, all the better. This is this is crunch time. This is where superstar players show that they're superstars. Booker has proven he's up to it. He's going to have to do it at that level or even higher in a game six or a game seven. But I think that there's also some other things that work for the Suns in game five that they can continue to exploit. We'll talk about that next. First, though, a quick word from Bilt Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the entire Planet, my favorite protein bar, and they're mixing things up for the summer. They have two flavors, which hat tip to Kane Pittman over at Locked On Bucks. I did not realize were just for the summer, and it makes perfect sense to me. That is strawberry and orange, if I'm remembering correctly, are special just for the summer. So check that out. They're lighter, they're fruitier, not so uh, chocolatey, which I associate with sweets in the winter. I'm sure you do too. But the best part is every single Bill Bar is going to be covered in chocolate. Soft, easy to chew, delicious, and packed with protein. 17 to 18 18 grams of protein with only 4 or 5 grams of sugar. Check out one of those delicious summer flavors or the Grasshopper Cookie, which is still available while supplies last. Go to Built.com. When you do, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Okay. Continuing on here, and I think that the Suns lost because they went away from what worked. So you could look at that two ways. Was that good? 
um, because they found those things or bad because they were not able to sustain them. That's really going to be what I talk about the next couple of segments. So just to set the, st- set the stage on this, um, early on, the Suns, obviously, they get out to this 16-point lead, 37-21 to 21 after the first quarter. They were doing a lot of stuff that made a lot of sense to counteract the Bucks. They were setting these high drag screens almost near half court in transition just to get Drew Holiday off of Chris Paul, give Chris Paul a head of steam. We saw both Paul and Booker using Mikhail Bridges as a screener to get a mismatch with Pat Connaughton on them. Um, and, and just great team defense rotating. They forced a couple turnovers against Brooke Lopez early on. They were just converging on the ball and making the ball movement harder for the Bucks, And that's why they built the lead. It wasn't just their offense got hot. They were 14 of 19 in that first quarter, but the Bucks also only scored 21. So when the Bucks don't get to run off of missed shots and turnovers, they get really, really quiet on offense. That's a trend that hasn't stopped even as the Bucks have won these three straight games. The early second quarter, though, was when things got really bad. And as Monty Williams said in his press conference, um, it lasted the entire second and third quarters. The Bucs scored 79 points in that stretch, and it just looked flat out ugly. The Suns tend to come out with great energy when they need to, and that just hasn't happened um, in this game. It just didn't happen, I should say, in game five. Um, the crowd was nearly silent, which was really eerie and and disappointing because of how much momentum the Suns built up in that first quarter. And I think the Suns can win on the road. I'm not really worried about that, but their home court advantage was really hardly there in game five. And a lot of that was because they were not able to capitalize on what the good stuff they were doing in the first quarter was. A couple other things um, to me that, that stood out. The second quarter was a lot of it to me was it was bad shot selection, which I'll get to a particular culprit of in a moment. And then they compounded it with really bad transition defense. And again, that culprit to me was Jay Crowder. Um, he took, I believe, three quick threes, early clock threes, or just contested, not really good shot threes in the begin the first few minutes of the third of the second quarter. Chris Paul in Devin Booker not in also Giannis not in which got overlooked I think I'm going to write about this second quarter at at bright side of the sun but um, Crowder started really well he had eight points in that first quarter and then had a bad second quarter and almost disappeared late in the game Um, he had a foul on a Drew, Drew Holiday three that's the only major memory I have of him after this and I think he just got discouraged, and if you're talking about starting hot and then fi- failing to, to capitalize on that, I think Crowder's a guy you got to look at. It just kind of the worst of Jay Crowder with that that weird shot selection, trying to get himself in rhythm when it's not really there, and then sloppiness on defense. The way that the Bucks were able to run in that second quarter, a lot of that was because Brooke Lopez was leaking out, and Crowder was the guy who who had Lopez, and there were a couple possessions where, where Crowder would get those shots off and, and then just not hustle back. So not to zero in on him, I'm going to, nobody is saved on a after a bad game like this, but um, he's one guy that I just noticed watching back. I'm going to get to another one in a second, but I'll go positive first. Mikhail Bridges. One thing I think that they really, really unlocked was ways to get Bridges going. I, I mentioned those screens, um, getting Booker or Paul onto Pat Connaughton. It helped them, but it also helped Bridges because he's able to, you know, maybe roll to the basket after one of those screens or he just, it just involved him in the game in a way that I think was helpful. And 
allowed him to be moving and cutting and having possession of the ball just more than he did in game four when and game three when he was not much of a factor. So that was a good thing. Of course, I'm I'm talking about things that they started well with and did not go to enough. And Bridges was the perfect bookend. The Suns had a great first quarter and a great fourth quarter, not a very good second and third. Bridges followed that. Um, he was he was involved early and then made a couple of big plays in the fourth as the Suns cut the Milwaukee lead and eventually had the ball with one point deficit and the opportunity to go ahead. That was a lot because Bridges was able to get back involved. He made, I think, at least one corner three, if not two, and just, again, making defensive plays and all the rest. If they can continue to involve him throughout the whole game, I think game six will look even better for him. I got to close here with, though, um, some negative. And it's not going to surprise anybody, but this is just the reality. Um, DeAndre Ayton. And look, I think he's had a remarkable postseason. I think he's been mostly great in the finals. Um, Mostly good in the finals, I won't say great. But his effort as a team defender and as a downhill threat on offense was just way too inconsistent in game five. It just can't... Here, here's the thing, and I I want to be delicate about this, but I also feel pretty confident saying it. And I don't even want to read too much into the pep talk that we saw Monty give him earlier on in the playoffs, but it just can't take that type of effort on the part of, of Aiton's teammates and coaching staff to inspire him to be great and committed. I wrote about this whole external motivation thing with him in the last series and the dirty work that he does isn't always glamorous. You think back to that game four in uh, LA in the last series when Aiton has double digit offensive rebounds and 20 something total offensive rebounds. And that's a huge part of why the Suns are able to win that game. But it's not because Aiton was being fed or anything like that. He just did it. And that's what the mentality has to be. You have to just do it anyway, even when it's demoralizing that it's not working, even when you're, you're, you're doing everything you can to stop Giannis and he gets a fall away jumper to go in it. You have to just stick with it. And Monty even subtly called out Aiton. This is me reading into it, but I'm pretty sure he specifically said some things about Aiton. And then later on in his press conference, didn't, name him specifically, but I think it's who he was talking about quite a bit. So it was a lot about the the inconsistent rolling in the second half. And then Monty said, quote, some players had great energy to close the game, but not all. And I think it was Aiton. We also saw that horrible post jumper in crunch time in a key possession that had no chance and clanked off and resulted in a Bucks transition bucket. Um, And so, look, that's another negative. It's never just one thing that goes wrong or even one player who costs the team their game. But guys like Aiton, Crowder, even Cameron Payne, who I haven't talked about a lot, but they need to get back to affecting the game with their energy. And as a team overall, though, the Suns did do a better job in the hustle stats. They need to commit to that even more and get that consistent energy. We'll get to that next, though. First, a quick word from our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. We have the MLB back after the All-Star break, heading into the stretch run. Take your mind off the Diamondbacks by betting on some of these other things. Um, Maybe you have a long shot in the AL MVP race who's going to overtake Otani. I don't know. Maybe you're 
Maybe you're smarter than I am. He seems like the best bet, but their team's not great. So check it out. Bet online is the place to go. News, sign-up bonuses, and contest info constantly updated. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action as teams prep for their run to the playoffs in the MLB and a title in the NBA. Head to the website right now or their mobile dev- or their mobile app. Make an account. When you do, use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. That's promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, closing out the show with some more positive. I hope I can get you guys out of here with some reasons to feel at least somewhat more <laughs> um, comfortable, confident, not so downtrodden. It's never good when your team is one loss away from losing the finals. I, I can't turn that from lemons into lemonade, but the Suns won many of the categories that we talked so much about coming out of game four. It was the shot discrepancy. It was all these things, and they were basically even in rebounding in this game. I think they lost it by two. They only had eight turnovers, the Suns did, to the Bucks 11. They took the same exact amount of shots as Milwaukee did and even had more points in the paint than the Bucks. So I actually think part of the reason, well, this is, again, a little bit negative, but I think part of the reason that the Bucks are getting space in the mid-range is because the Suns are focusing on protecting the rim and boxing out. They have bodies at the rim ready for the rebound, and that's giving guys like Middleton and Holiday space. I don't know if that's something you should adjust because I think counting on those guys, as I talked about at the top, to miss those shots is better than giving up offensive rebounds. I think this strategy can really can really work. And I think that the the ability to show the showing that they can win those categories it makes me optimistic, and it makes me feel like as long as the Suns can stay focused on that and, and keep doing it. This series is just going to be stars versus stars the rest of the way. And your mileage on that may vary. I'm not sure who among you guys listening is optimistic on that, but I am. I think that the Sun Stars, as I said with Booker, have it in them to win games. And and it's two games. It's it's all that it is. Um, And so I think the Suns prove that they, when they're committed to it, can win those categories. And they... They got back to dominating the areas that they need to win. Monty, the buzzword, it was it was the 17 number after game four, offensive rebounds and turnovers. In this game, the buzzword was Suns basketball. And I think that they really did get back to playing that. And the loss hurts, but I think that those stats and the way the Suns were able to get back to it really shows that. The one area, though, that the Bucks still won and... I don't know if it's possible to beat them in this. I, I don't. I think it might just be part of what you have to assume will happen is the fast break points. Uh, I have some ideas on how it could flip, but this will, this was Milwaukee's best transition game of the series. Not quite in fast break points, but transition offensive efficiency, even with the Suns making so many shots and not turning the ball over. The, the Bucks were just frankly running every single chance that they had. Any missed shot, any turnover, even made shots, the Sun, the Bucks were going to run, and they found really good success with it. Their offensive rating and transition in this game, which I've been giving you guys after pretty much every contest, was 188.9, 188.9, and just 110 in the half court. That's a humongous discrepancy. Now, the 110 was better than it has been. I would say it's, if I'm remembering right, their best half court 
offensive rating in the series, but it was still worse than the Suns was in this game. The Suns are a better half-court team than the Bucks. We haven't seen over the past three games a matchup where the, the Suns are able to use that to their advantage enough to win the game, but that has held true, and it's a big reason to be optimistic that if the Suns can continue to make Milwaukee into a, a half-court team and those lucky shots don't go in as much, the Suns have a path to victory. But I do want to talk about how the Suns can stop the Bucks in transition. So it's a it's a it's a pick your poison because freaking Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton have turned into Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant. F- seemingly, it's what it feels like. And it, again, it's one of these things where in a seven game series, there's not always a lot you can do there. But I think that's the poison to pick. I think you just leave the shooters. As much as you can. You you sell out against Giannis and Middleton and Holiday. Because it, I don't want it to sound like I'm saying just sell out against Giannis. Because that's what got the Suns into trouble in other games. Because Giannis was able to find Drew Holiday in Game 3. And other guys, Brooke Lopez, like I talked about, was able to leak out. Those are three alarm fires when a superstar on the Bucks or a, a high-level player on the Bucks has a scoring opportunity open in transition. What I don't think is as much of an emergency is a three from Connaughton or Portis not super open with a guy closing out on them multiple times in a game. And they've made those shots for the most part, but if you're betting on something to not continue, it's that more than it's oh, well, Giannis will just miss layups at the rim or, or anything like that. So it's, it's again, it's a pick your poison. I also think within that, you can try to draw charges, stay attached to the superstars, make sure that they don't get easy baskets, that they are not able to get in rhythm, get confident. They were running with not just Drew Holiday or Giannis. Middleton was able to handle the ball coming up the floor in a lot of moments, and you just need to find them, stay with them, and stop them. And I think that's your best chance in transition. If the Bucks are able to cobble together a great transition game because Connaughton does this again on at home or Portis does this, you tip your hat. I don't, I don't know what else to say because it's the NBA Finals and if you lose because of Pat Connaughton, I think you feel a lot better than that rather than Giannis scoring 50. And Giannis hasn't scored like he was in the past, but I think you just have to continue to try to hope that that works. The other thing, again, just watch for Brooke Lopez. I don't want it to just be the three superstars because Lopez in that second quarter, a lot of the reason that the, the Bucks were able to score off of Suns misses is because Lopez was getting down the floor. He's out on the perimeter because the Suns are playing small. And then within that, they put up a three, it bounces all around. And then Lopez is all of a sudden at the basket, not just a dunk in transition, but seals and Easy post-ups, mismatches, that type of thing. Good position for him to score. That's just a small thing, but they were able to buy some some nice offense off of it, so you got to watch him too. So that's all I got for you guys. I'm going to talk more with Jackson Frank tomorrow and get you maybe some more keys, um, maybe some more Chris Paul talk. Jackson's always really smart. I won't have to do too much tomorrow, and, and you'll get his perspective on things, but I don't have any great words of wisdom. I know you guys don't like when I'm not all the way optimistic. I know you come to Suns podcasts, to places like Bright Side of the Sun, to get 
a perspective that makes you feel better. And I don't have that necessarily because it sucks to be down three to two in the NBA finals. It's not a fun feeling. Ask any number of, ask the Heat fans from last year. That's not a good feeling. Um, I don't have anything for you. I have these adjustments that I think could happen. I have the idea that this Suns team, I still believe, can get back to what they looked like in games one and two. I think the people in the Suns building are confident that this team can do this and be resilient and bounce back. It's hard. They're going to have to do it on the road. They're going to have to win a game seven, which a young team having to do that has not necessarily been tested with a point guard whose health situation is an, is a big question mark. It's, <laughs> it's hard. The Bucks are obviously the favorites. They're one win away. They're going to be headed home feeling like the world is their oyster and they are tantalizingly close to getting this done, but it's not over. It isn't. And uh, I'm going to be, you know, grinding through the next couple of days waiting for the tip off of game six, just like all of you are. And uh, we'll all get through it together. I'm going to be back with you on Tuesday morning, like I said, with Jackson, getting you ready for a legit preview um, of game six. And we'll, uh, we'll be there together. I'm going to be back, of course, getting you ready, uh, not ready, getting you uh, through with my recap, the minute that the buzzer sounds, it's a road game, so I don't even have to wait to get home on Tuesday night. Be looking out for that. That'll be Wednesday's show. And then hopefully we're on our way to a game seven. I'm sure you all feel the same way. Um, enjoy this. Don't forget to enjoy it. The Suns getting this close to a title is is all gravy. We had no idea this run would happen. I guess that's what I'll leave you with. Enjoy your Monday, folks. Enjoy this week. Get mentally ready for game six, and uh, I'll talk to you then.